whenever I read this parable of the unmerciful servant, uh, a question emerges in my mind, and it's simply, why? Why would a man who had his debt completely forgiven go to another servant and demand payment? What need did he have? Why would he do such a uh, seemingly senseless action? Why would he hold on to the debt of another when he himself had been forgiven his debt? You know, through prayer and thinking about that, I think it's because, brothers and sisters, I think it's because the man doesn't believe that he's actually forgiven. I think it's because that he doesn't trust the one who says those words. That, in fact, he might be thinking that this guy is trying to play some kind of cruel joke on him, that he's a kind of a tyrant, or that he's just waiting to see how he does with a little bit of freedom before he comes back and calls the debt due again. He doesn't trust that the master will be faithful to his word. And so he's scraping by to collect all he can get because he lives in constant fear of being penniless, in jail, and hungry. Friends, in the parable today, the master in some way reflects God. God is, though, far beyond any human master. He's not only trustworthy in when he says that we're forgiven, but he's good. And he desires our good. Part of coming to grow in the Christian life is to recognize just how good God is. Last week at, at the homily, I talked about how we're called to be watchmen. Remember those words from Ezekiel and how they're lived out in owing nothing to anyone except this, to love them. And we kind of thought about that together. And part of being a sentinel, part of being a watchman, is to part of owing nothing to anyone except to love them means to help them know who God really is. That's what Jesus is trying to reveal to us today. He's trying to show who God is to us. And what that means for our life. Only by helping to reveal God's own love do we fulfill our duties as sentinels. And this begins with a recognition of that love in our own life. We have to recognize first, if we're to share the love of God with others, that we have been forgiven much. In order to reveal God's love, we must become convinced and conquered by it. And this is one reason why the church asks us to be at Mass every Sunday. Right Here, we are representing the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. It's being made present to us again and again. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that those who believe in Him might have life, life in abundance. And that sacrifice which gives us life is being made present on this altar in just a few moments, right? That's why we have the crucifix uh, behind the altar. That's also why there's a crucifix facing that way on the altar so that I remember what I'm doing when I'm offering the sacrifice. See, friends, God doesn't just, didn't just love the world a long time ago. He loves the world now. And He desires that we would know over and over again, 
His love for us. We experience it, of course, through the other sacraments, particularly confession, um, through baptism, the love of God and the Holy Spirit is going to be poured into these two children today. Uh, Elena and, and, and Milo are going to receive the Holy Spirit and they're going to receive Christ's love and be wiped. Their sins are going to be completely wiped away and they're going to be made children of God. But we have to be reminded over and over again. And from that knowledge of God's love springs forth a freedom. A freedom uh, to live as a child of God. To live with uh, an ability to move and do, and, and, and do everything that God calls us to. And a freedom to forgive as He has forgiven us. You know, the forgiveness of those who have hurt us is commanded by Christ, right? Christ tells us in another part of the gospel, he says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that love for enemy, that love for one who has hurt us, that willingness to extend forgiveness to one who has hurt us in some way is not based off of some misguided interpretation of evil as good. It's not based on uh, the idea that somehow evil doesn't have any consequences. It's not based on the idea that um, someone doesn't really hurt us when they do us evil. No, it's based on the fact that we, like God, we wish His love to be known. That we've been forgiven. And thus we're capable of offering that love to others, that forgiveness to others, that mercy to others, a reflection of the fact that God is indeed kind and merciful. God's love, which we encounter through all of these ways, and as well as in our personal prayer each day, isn't limited. It's not a calculable quantity of love that somehow is, uh, is if, if you have it, I don't. Right? It's infinite and unbounded. It doesn't diminish through being shared, but rather, in a certain sense, only multiplies in the hearts of those who come to know it. Our hunger for love, brothers and sisters, is satisfied through a living relationship with Jesus, but the cost of that relationship, in a sense, the only cost of that relationship, is a willingness to share that love with other people. A being willing to be Christ to others. Now friends, I don't have to tell you, we live in a society where many, many people are hungry for love and hurting for a lack of relationship with God. And that's true of people of all ages, from all backgrounds, in all socioeconomic situations. And if you're in a place of hurt today, if you are hungry for God, know you're not alone. That you're welcome here and that God loves you. God is a generous Father who only wishes your good. And you can follow Him today. right? Just say, Jesus, I want to follow you. In a particular way, though, it's true of our young people. Especially the ones that we don't see here regularly at Mass. Many young people in our community, in our society, suffer from a lack of hope. You only have to look at some of the statistics regarding mental health to to see that that's true. They don't know the good news of Jesus Christ. The saving news of Jesus Christ. And as I mentioned last week, having talked to many of you and and consulted and heard from many of you and prayed about it, as I've gotten to know this parish, I believe God is calling us 
is leading us to have a particular emphasis on developing a mission to youth in our community and within our parish boundaries. The dream for this mission is to provide an inviting home for youth to be disciples of Jesus Christ through the church. Now, I've talked with many of you who have made your home, spiritually speaking, here at St. Mary's for so many years. This is a home where there is hope and healing through Jesus, a home where the sacraments are celebrated and the community gathers together in the name of the Lord. This is a place where... uh, we can encounter the Lord through each other and through these sacraments that we celebrate. And it has been for 130 years now. It's pretty incredible if you think about it, how many different and varied ways uh, that's taken place. You know, and our kids today, our kids deserve to have a space to live out their discipleship in the community of the church as well. Young people like all of us need to know that they always have a home in the church and particularly here at St. Mary's where they can always encounter Jesus, learn to follow Him and live out discipleship, live life to the full in Him. Within that space, within that home, the Gospel can be proclaimed and a chance to respond can be offered This youth ministry that we're working to launch right now will aid our young people, starting with our high schoolers, to meet, know, love, and serve Jesus. Every human person has a deep hunger for God. Each of us desires to know God and to know His love for us. And every one of us deserves to know Jesus' love in a way that they can understand it. Now, we've been doing that for many and very uh, many years and in varied ways. Today's Catechetical Sunday in the church, and um, I think of the, the countless catechists, the countless teachers, the countless uh, moms and dads and, and other people who have helped pass down the faith throughout the history of this parish and even beyond the, the history of this parish. Um, And we have to say these are amazing gifts which have been given unto us. But friends, we're entering into what many have called in the life of the church, um, and particularly in in the United States and in the West, so to speak, we're entering into what many have called a new apostolic age. Hearkening back to the, the time of the apostles when the culture itself is not Christian. We're dealing with the first culture in history, wrote one author, that was once deeply Christian, but that by a slow and thorough process has been consciously ridding itself of its Christian basis. Our society is full of many who believe that they have seen enough of Christianity and to see that it has little to offer them. And that includes many of our young people, brothers and sisters, even those who might have been baptized. There are many in our parish boundaries who do not know the love of Christ and that He calls them to life. You know, I'm currently leading a Bible study for our high school youth on Wednesday nights. If you've got a high schooler in your life, I invite uh, him or her to join us at 6.30 p.m. uh, this coming Wednesday in the O'Reilly building uh, upstairs. And it's 
an amazing gift to be able to be with these young people each week. Um, And I know that they're hungry for Jesus. Because every human heart hungers for Jesus. But the reality is, brothers and sisters, many of them may not know it yet. They may not know that they hunger for Jesus. Part of the process of being on mission is helping people to know what they're hungry for and giving us space for honest questions about the big questions of life. The big things of life. Um, Friends, it involves a certain openness to new ways of offering the same gospel to our young people. Right? We have the same food that we've always had, which satisfies hungry hearts. It's the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ and the celebration of the sacraments. But we have to prepare it in a way which is receivable. Right? Think about how many different ways you can prepare different type, the same type of food. Friends, this is going to involve uh, us as a parish, uh, as I talked about last week, making sacrifices so that others may come to know Jesus. In your bulletins today, you're going to find a summary of what I've been talking about um, in my homily. And you'll also find ways that you can help with with this mission to youth. Um, And I ask that you consider doing so. People are hungry for Jesus. Uh, And as one 20th century Protestant evangelist uh, wrote, evangelism, talking about Jesus, is just one beggar showing another beggar where the food is at. It's just one beggar to another beggar. You see, we are in the place of this beggar in the parable today. We've been forgiven much. How does that affect our lives? Are we willing to point Jesus out to others? Are we willing to sacrifice so that they might come to know the only food, the only food which will satisfy their hungry hearts, which is found here in receiving Jesus Christ, His body and His blood, His soul and His divinity, at this altar.